listening to this balls deep in Amazon Prime Day news coverage, and yeah. therefore I am seepy. I've I've done. And for those who don't a, know, you, this is oh. your a part of your actual job, not just because you the, yes. love a deal. <laughs> not I do love a deal. Not so. That it's a much. good thing you have this job. Um, yes, yes. It's it's less that and more. Uh, like this is this is what I do for work and in the past we're recording this on Sunday in the past since last sun since Monday I have worked over 55 hours but what's your other in the job past week you managing yeah. you <laughs> what is this this is crime culture there we go I did not pick up that that's what you were going for because my brain is fried just trying to intro um, the podcast man much like much like the chicken at john wayne gacy's oh KFC look at that branch. look at that swinging but, it back um, she's not quite dead folks um but yeah this is crime culture that's Haley. the fry the fried chicken speaking currently is caitlin yep and We've got a we've got a doozy of a part two. Yeah, Z. this is gonna, we're gonna jump right in because it's going to be uh, quite a long one. We have the rest mm-hmm. of John Wayne Gacy's murders to get through. We mm-hmm. have uh, the investigation and the trial and all of the pop culture. Um, I mm-hmm. also apologize if you periodically hear an air conditioning pop on and off. It is very hot here, and uh, I'm not willing to turn it off this week. Hashtag so, pop off queen. Yeah, so it'll be or something. Maybe the noise gate will cut it out, but. It might yeah. be there. Also, Bean just periodically yelling. Bean exists. That's my cat. And if you don't, we know. love him. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> who doesn't know Bean? I'm sorry. I don't know. Bean is more famous than we are. So we left off last week with the murder of William George Bundy. That was on October 26, 1976. We're gonna jump forward now to Francis Wayne Alexander, the 21-year-old who might have been Mm. killed in late November, early December 1976. He last contacted his family uh, via a phone call to his mother in November. Some estimates of his death go as wide as January 1976 to March 1977. It's really kind of up in the air with that one. Wow, yeah. His body was found in the crawl space under Gacy's office. Francis was known as body number five until he was identified in October 2021. This is the most recent. Wow. Yeah. This is the most recent identified um, That's victim. That's so recent. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't know it was that recent. Yeah. So we now know Francis Wayne Alexander was born in North Carolina. His family later moved to New York where he got married before moving mm. to Chicago in 1975. He later got divorced before he disappeared. His family believed at the time that he just wanted to be left alone, so they never even filed a missing persons report. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. At the time his body was identified, his family said in a statement, quote, It is hard, even 45 years later, to know the fate of our beloved Wayne. He was killed at the hands of a violent and evil man. Our hearts are heavy. Our sympathies go out to the other victims' families. Our only comfort is knowing this killer no longer breathes the same air as we do. We can Mm -hmm. now lay to rest what happened and move forward by honoring Wayne. We ask that you respect our wishes of privacy as we process this tragedy. End quote. Wow. Especially for a family to not only find out what happened to somebody who you just, you didn't even file a missing persons report. You just thought they just wanted to be left alone, just wanted to move on with their life. I mean, maybe it was a tragic divorce that he went through. Who knows? Um, 
but then to be kind of thrust into the spotlight almost because of John Wayne Gacy as as like kind of this prolific name in in the true crime community um yeah I can imagine that it's really really hard to deal with especially for people who are like obsessed with this case and like want to be assholes about it oh my god yeah that's really oh yeah wow that's really but really good that the, that he was identified at least yes like, yes and it gives hope to people not just people who think that john wayne gacy may have killed a loved one of theirs but also people who are trying to figure out what happened to a loved one who has no relation to like anything is possible yeah like we said this is october 2021 this is so recent yeah. that this happened and um there's five more victims we'll get into um about what you can do if you or someone you know thinks they might have a connection um Mm -hmm. to these last five victims but we'll talk about that uh towards the end um the next victim is 17 year old gregory godzik and he had only began working uh for pdm contractors three weeks prior um oh wow yeah uh, he re- he really loved the job and didn't mind doing odd jobs that his boss required of him, such as cleaning and digging trenches for drains in his crawl space. No. Yes. The money he got from his job also allowed him to buy parts for his 1966 Pontiac car, which was a time-consuming and costly hobby. He was yeah. proud of his car, even if it was a little bit of an eyesore. On December 12, 1976, Gregory dropped off his date at her house and drove towards his home. The following day, police found the Pontiac, but Gregory was missing. Gregory's parents and sister Eugenia called Gacy about the disappearance. Like, it was Gacy's, <gasps> he was an employee of Gacy's, so yeah, yeah so they holy. knew him. Gacy claimed that Gregory had told him of his wish to run away from home. He also oh said my. that he received a message on his answering machine from Gregory, but when his parents asked to hear it, Gacy said that he had erased it. Gregory's body was found in the crawl space, and Gacy would say that Gregory had dug his own grave. <gasps> what the? F- yeah. Oh my God! This one's case, just somehow just. In oh case I need to God. further illustrate what a piece of shit Gacy was, he said that he said that one of his employees told him that a seventeen-year-old said that he wanted to run away, and then said he got a message from him and deleted it before the f- the family could hear it. Like, like what? <laughs> knowing what we know like what we know now holy shit because like why would the family like not believe him you know what i mean like and it's getting to the point where there's so many victims again this is episode two and we're like halfway through victims so many were employees of gacy's that i don't know like I wish that the some of the parents could contact each other and be like, well, my kid's missing. Well, my kid's missing. Like, yeah. what is the fucking connection here? This asshole. Social media, bruh. The right? power of social media. So 19-year-old John Sizzik was last seen driving off in his 1971 Plymouth satellite on January 20th, 1977. John had... I mean, actually, I'm going to call him Sizzik because Gacy and, and John have, uh, Sizzik have the same name. So Sizzik mm-hmm. had not worked for Gacy, but was close friends with Gregory Godzik and John Bukovich, who we talked about in the first episode, who was also mm. murdered by Gacy. Mm. Interestingly, a short while after he vanished, another teenager named Michael Rossi was picked up by police in, 19, in a 1971 Plymouth satellite while trying to leave a gas station without paying. Rossi said that the man he lived with could explain the situation, and that man was John Wayne Gacy. 
who explained to police that Sizik had earlier sold him the car. Police never checked on the car's title, which had been signed 18 days after Sizik's disappearance, (gasps) with a signature that was not Sizik's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, So Rossi had moved in with Gacy after David Cram left, and we talked about him in episode one, Mm -hmm. who he left because Gacy attempted to sexually assault him twice. Right. Um, And so he lived in the Gacy house until about April 1977. Gacy later confessed, once he was caught, Gacy later confessed to strangling Sizzik in the spare bedroom when Rossi was asleep. Then he told Rossi that he uh, sold the car for $300. That's fucking horrific. Yeah. That, oh, my God. Uh, and Michael Rossi's going to come up a couple of times throughout this story, the rest of the story. So remember that name. Okay. Uh, the next victim is 20-year-old 20 John uh, Prestige. Uh, he was visiting mm-hmm. friends in Chicago from Kalamazoo, Michigan. While there, he found work with a quote-unquote local contractor he whether it was gacy who knows uh the people at the time didn't know he was last seen grabbing a coffee near bug house square on march 15th 1977 uh his body was the first to be found in the crawl space during the police search Mm. next we have um still unidentified known as body number 10 uh, he is estimated to have been between 17 and 21 years old, between 5'7 and 5'11, which is 170 to 180 centimeters tall. He had okay. suffered a fractured left collarbone months or years before his disappearance and had received more than one tooth filling in his life. Okay. The two victims murdered on the same day in May 1976 were buried alongside him, yet sequentially burial patterns of three victims of three victims murdered in 1977 leave equal possibility that he may have been murdered in either the spring or summer of 1977 statements made by Gacy following his arrest also suggest that this unidentified victim may have been murdered as early as 1974. So it's kind of all over the map here in Mm -hmm. 2018 an updated facial reconstruction was released to the media and that I believe you can find on the cook County uh, sheriff's website, which again, I'll mention more later. Um, the next victim is 19-year-old Matthew Bowman. He was last seen by his mother at a suburban train station on July 5th, 1977. Mm. He was on his way to Harwood Heights for a scheduled court appearance regarding an unpaid parking ticket. His body was found in the crawl space with a rope still tightly wrapped around his neck. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's... Oh. Yeah. Again, we have so many more to get through. He is... Casey is a horrible, horrible man. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, old, but like, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, when you're researching stuff like like this or like just passing in true crime, everybody knows the the Dahmer, Gacy, Bundy. I mean, they're the heads on our on our uh, poster or uh, album artwork yeah. uh, because they're the ones that people know the, most, the most. But like. Yeah most recognizable but then you dig into it and realize how actually horrible all of these things were there's a reason Uh, why yeah exactly so 18 year old robert gilroy jr went missing after he failed to meet up with some friends to catch a bus to go horseback riding on september 15th 1977 unbeknownst to his parents robert had not attended his horseback riding lessons for several weeks so he was not reported missing until september 27th i guess it was like pretty far away kind of like maybe a sleepaway type thing oh oh Um, shit 
Yeah, so Robert was an outdoorsman, avid camper, and horse lover. His father, who was a Chicago police sergeant, immediately began searching for his son when he heard that he was missing. Although a full-scale investigation was mounted, Robert was nowhere to be found. The Gilroy family lived just four blocks away from the Gacy house, but no link between the two could be made until Robert's body was identified using dental records. Oh, my God. Yeah, and this was the son of a police sergeant. So, like, Gacy's flying a little too close to the sun here. And there's no way he couldn't know that. Like... He lay a little four know blocks that, away. Yeah, like, and he was so tied so in, brazen. like, politically and everything. That's what I'm. That's what I'm referencing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like the just the oh my god, and to like look at this man every day and see him because I, they see each other all the time. And well, I mean, knowing the heartbreak he, that he's going through. Gacy was obviously also like very dialed into like the newspapers reporting on some of these things, and like I'm sure there there were missing posters like. They he tries to make the argument that these were runaways and like sex workers, but these were people that people cared about. Like people were looking for the for these kids. So they mm-hmm. weren't just like forgotten as soon as they went missing. Like people were looking for them. Yeah. Um oh back God. in Gacy's more outward life in august mm-hmm. 1977, David Cram arrived at the Gacy house believing that he would be doing some work in the garage. When he got there, Gacy told him that he would be digging trenches for new plumbing in the crawl space. Mm-hmm. At the trial, Cram testified that he saw mounds of dirt in parts of the crawl, pa- crawl space that he wasn't digging in. He also noticed, as many other people did over the years that visited the house, a horrible smell. Gacy yeah. told Cram to scatter lime throughout the crawl space to, quote, sweeten the smell. Cram dug two trenches, one eight feet long and the other three feet long, both about two feet across and about knee deep. I don't know about you, but that is grave. Yeah. Those are graves. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. That's not for oh a drain. Oh, my God. Line. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And he had and, unknowingly he dug know? just two graves. Yeah. Why yeah. would he know? How would he know? I don't like, know how he ever went. I'm not victim blaming, obviously. Like, I don't know the situation personally. I just don't know how he went back to the Gacy house after... Casey outwardly said he was going to rape him at least twice. I mean, I don't, I don't get the job. That. Not thinking I guess. he'd actually do it. I don't know, but I would not be alone with this fucking man in his house. No, but I mean, again, like he maybe he didn't well actually believe thought, him. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Thinking he may not actually do it. Like, yeah, it, it depends. And all we know is that he said it. We don't know how he said it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, could he have said it like jokingly? So this guy was like, oh, he's clearly kidding. Or could the guy have just been like, listen, he's had too much to drink or something. Yeah. Like, he's it off could his be rocker. Something like, that. like, yeah, we don't. I mean, yeah, he was off his rocker. He's fucking, off his of rocker. Course. But you meet plenty of people. You, you know me. I'm not going to, like, go and kill people. Yeah, right. Like, People are off their rocker every day. It doesn't mean that they're all going to go off yeah. and commit just absolute atrocities. Yeah. So this Jesus. next one, I I wanted I wanted to find more information about him, but I really I researched a lot and I really couldn't. Um, there is a book that I think I'm going to mention later that I think dives into more of the lives of some of Gacy's victims. Uh, I wasn't able to get it from the library, and I am not buying it on amazon right now mm-hmm. as much as uh i support you and your your prime day efforts i'm trying to like <laughs> wean myself as much off of amazon oh, as girl. i can i support um, it do it yeah. bring that motherfucker down that yeah. mr clean looking cue ball ass flying through space absolutely not take him down next yeah 
Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll mention that book a little bit later, but I don't know if this man is mentioned in it as much. Um, it's 19-year-old John Mowry. He had just completed 18 months with the Marines before returning to Chicago, and he was going to study to become an accountant. He stopped by his parents' house on September 25th, 1977, and said he was headed out for the night, but was never seen again. Mm. And unfortunately, this wasn't the only tragedy for the family, as six years earlier, John's sister Judith was also murdered. Oh my God. Oh, that's so... Yeah. Oh my God. And like, I had I had looked into it, and like, all these articles just said his sister was murdered, his sister was murdered. It said unrelated. Obviously, it wasn't like a Gacy thing. Gacy had no interest in girls. Um... But I couldn't find out what actually happened to his sister. Like, I don't I don't know if it was like a vehicular accident or I don't know. I couldn't find yeah. anything out about her. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. But uh, John Mowry's mother is um, very outspoken um, and did a, a bunch of uh, like TV interviews and stuff. So so she's out there. I believe her wow. last name is Nielsen. I think I mentioned her a little bit later. Um. But our next victim is 21-year-old Russell Nelson. Uh, he last spoke to his mother to wish her a happy birthday on October 17, 1977. He was last seen outside of a Chicago bar. He had reportedly been looking for contracting work at the time and traveled to the area from Minnesota with a friend. Mm -hmm. Russell was an architecture student from the University of Minnesota. And this particular case adds fodder to the theory that Gacy didn't act alone in his crimes. Mm -hmm. Something Gacy himself would allude to over the years. At first, police suspected Russell's traveling partner, 30-year-old Robert Young, might have had a hand in Russell's disappearance. Robert was described as a quote-unquote drifter and raised suspicion when he initially demanded money from the Nelson family to help search for Russell, but then appeared to disappear himself. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. In addition, Robert, who at this point has been dead for more than a decade, so we're not going to get any answers out of him at this point, wow. um, appeared to have had contact with Gacy's contracting business at the time. I don't know to the validity of any of that, but that was in an article that I read. Yeah. It's very interesting. Very. It, it's also unlikely that Russell could have gone missing without Robert noticing. I mean, they were traveling together. It's not like they were in a huge group. There was just the two of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, there's been mystery stories where people like go off to the bathroom and then they're never seen again so maybe yeah. it could have been something like that but um regardless russell's body was found in the crawl space beneath the guest bedroom oh. so he was confirmed a gacy victim next is 16 year old robert winch who disappeared on november 10th 1977 he had moved to chicago from michigan after getting in trouble for running away from his foster home he was strangled and his body was found in the crawl space mm-hmm Tommy Bowling, only eight days later, on November 18th, 1977, 20-year-old, uh, he disappeared after leaving a Chicago nightclub. Tommy was married and had a three-year-old son named Timmy. His sister told reporters that he may have been using drugs at the time of his disappearance. I don't know, again, the validity of that. Tommy was identified from dental records and his wedding ring. Oh, my God. Isn't that so upsetting? Oh my God, his poor even family. Think that, like, right? Yeah. I mean, all these men's poor families. Like, yes, yes. To have that course, come out. Of course. Um, but just three weeks later, on December 9th, 1977. So it was uh, November 10th, November 18th, and December 9th. Like, this is. Escalating. This is getting, yeah, much closer together. Yeah. 19-year-old um, Marine David 
Talzma disappeared after telling his mother that he was going to a rock concert in Hammond. His body was discovered in the crawl space on what would have been his 21st birthday. Oh my God. Yeah. These get more tragic as it goes on. Exactly. Like it's just every single one is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, And I think it's at this point being so close together and everything and um, running out of room in the fucking crawl space that Gacy, I think, tries a couple for better lack of a better term, catch and releases. Um, because on December 30th, Gacy abducted 19-year-old college student Robert Donnelly from a Chicago bus stop at gunpoint. He drove Robert to his house, where he raped, tortured, and repeatedly dunked Robert's head into a bathtub until he passed out. Gacy taunted him, saying things like, quote, aren't we playing fun games tonight? End quote. <sighs> After several hours, Gacy drove Robert to his workplace and released him, warning him that oh, if he wow. complained to the police that no one would ever believe him. Robert bravely reported the assault, and the police yeah. questioned Gacy on January 6, 1978. Gacy admitted to having a, quote-unquote, sex slave relationship with Robert, but insisted everything was consensual, adding that he, quote, didn't pay the kid, end quote, the money that he had promised. The police believed him and filed no charges. What the fuck? Robert later testified at Gacy's trial that he was in such pain during the torture that he had asked Gacy to kill him, and Gacy replied, quote, I'm getting round to it. Oh my god! And also, like, so if if one person says it's consensual and the other person doesn't, you just believe the person that says it was. It's an yeah. It's another case of ineptitude. Like we saw a similar thing with Jeffrey Dahmer. Like exactly, and it's another case of oh, this is a a male and male relationship. This is yes. Don't want to get in the middle of it. That's exactly what happened with Conorak. Yes, and and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes, like. They're like, oh, God, two dudes? Okay, well, uh, you guys work it out by yourselves. And also, imagine your masculinity being that fragile that you can't even, like, be around. Like, oh, well, the sooner that this is over with, the sooner we don't have to think about this ever again or talk about this ever again or talk to these people ever again. Like, think about that. Like, are you really that Can you imagine what the talk was in the uh, police station during oh, this absolutely. time when this was reported i believe i believe a certain cheeto once referred to it as locker room talk yeah 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 yeah. um but gacy goes back to murdering because 19 year old william kindred was reported missing on february 16th 1978 after he failed to show up at his girlfriend's house he had and, met uh, his girlfriend mary uh, joe oh. Paulus the previous summer when William picked her and a friend up while hitchhiking, which is kind of an interesting way to start a relationship. I think that's kind of cute. Yeah. It's a little meat cute. Yeah. Um, there isn't a ton of information on what exactly happened to William, but investigators were able to determine that he was picked up by Gacy near Broadway and Diversity Park. What's interesting is that Mary Jo, his girlfriend, knew Gacy, but it's unclear <gasps> if William did as well. Maybe oh, wow. he was at least had a, like a passing familiarity with him that when Gacy pulled up, he was like, oh, yeah, like I know you. Maybe he needed a ride somewhere. Yeah. And he's like, well, I do know this guy. Kind of like what happened in the Ariel Castro case. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's the father of a friend of mine. So why exactly. wouldn't I have reason to trust him? Exactly. Um, so William's body was actually the last to be buried in the crawl space because at this point, like I said, there was simply no room left. Mm-hmm. There was, there was 26, I think, bodies oh. in the, uh, in the crawl space. That's a lot. 
that's too many i mean um, uh, one is too many but like uh, yeah i mean duh. jesus yeah. that house must have how did that house not like fucking reek at this well, point it did. I don't people care said it what. did yeah like but no one says or does anything no right? one's like hmm i mean i'm not expecting everyone to know you what a dead body smells sting- like but i mean like, it's also a single guy living at this house so i, don't I mean know what i'm not you're trying dis- to imply i'm not gonna but disparage if are... all single men but um oh you know, i'm stinky. sitting there thinking <laughs> that you i'm sitting there thinking that you mean like there's a lot of socks that can stand on their own and i was like no this is not something i'm putting in my head right now thank you very much no, no absolutely he's a, not he's a a fat stinky contractor man that also owns a couple kfcs i'm not gonna say that uh it wasn't a little rank naturally in that house but like this is not natural this is not I mean, a natural think about think about uh, how many bodies not to keep comparing him to jeffrey dahmer but i forget how many bodies it was that were in dahmer's home before people started complaining that it smelled i want to say well, he was also to, an like, apartment yes that's true so much closer together and that's true. i mean the one the one of the facts that i can't get over again with dahmer is that at one point he was there was a dead body in his shower and he just had to shower over it yes like, i know that's not, jeffrey dahmer was like just living with dead bodies like yes. gacy literally like telltale hearted like put them under his house oh 100 that's a good reference um my i guess my point is more just like there's no way that like nobody like we he blamed got, it maybe, on sewage oh that's why he had like an asshole that's why he had like three people like three of his employees like fake digging sewage lines yeah jesus christ that comes up again and again this man thinks Um, of everything yeah so gacy later confessed to police that he considered stowing bodies in his attic initially but had been worried about complications arising from leakage because the dead body folks leak some stuff you got some stuff in your body currently that when you're dead it's gonna not be there anymore Mm -hmm. yeah so therefore he chose to dispose of his victims off the i-55 bridge in the des plains river gacy stated that he had thrown five bodies into the river in 1978 and he believed that one landed on a passing barge because he had heard no splash only four bodies were ever found and we'll get to those bodies in a second but first this is a fucking wild story and there is reading material on this specific story. So get your Goodreads list ready because uh, mm. I also need to read this book. So on March 21st, 1978, Gacy lured 26-year-old Jeffrey Rignall into his car to smoke some weed. Cool dude. Once cornered, <laughs> Gacy chloroformed Jeffrey and drove him to his house. Gacy Jesus. restrained Jeffrey's head and arms with a pillory device. Think like the old timey stocks thing you know that yeah, piece of wood yeah. that your hands are shoved in and your head's also mm-hmm. shoved in so mm-hmm. he had the one, one of from, those from hunchback of notre dame exactly so he just mm-hmm. had casually had one of those in his house like we all do it's in the spare bedroom right now oh okay that so, was missing last time i visited yeah so his head and <laughs> arms were uh restrained in that and his feet were locked into a separate restraint he's completely yeah. all limbs yeah. just like completely restrained yeah uh while he's doing this gacy explains to jeffrey that he has complete control over him and told him exactly what he intended to do to him and he could do whatever he wanted how he wanted when he wanted um he then raped and tortured jeffrey with various instruments including lit candles and whips (gasps) and repeatedly chloroformed him into unconsciousness gacy then drove jeffrey to chicago's lincoln park where he dumped him unconscious but alive after wow. being freed, Jeffrey went to the police, but despite his apparent physical wounds and chloroform burns on his face, authorities didn't take his account 
of the attack too seriously. I wonder why. Through his hazy memory, Jeffrey was able to recall Gacy's Oldsmobile going onto the Kennedy Expressway and even some side streets near the Gacy house. While the police were unwilling to do anything, Jeffrey and two friends staked out the Cumberland exit on the expressway, and a month later, Jeffrey saw the Oldsmobile, which he and his friends then followed to 8213 West Somerdale Avenue. Police obtained an arrest warrant, and Gacy was arrested on July 15th. He faced trial for the assault and battery against Jeffrey at the time of his arrest for the murders. Yeah. Jeffrey went on to be a key witness in the Gacy trial and wrote a book about his ordeal and everything that came afterwards titled 29 Below. Again, it's Jeffrey Rignall. The book is 29 Below. I have to read it. He sounds like a very interesting dude. Yeah. Uh, Our next victim is 20-year-old Timothy O'Rourke. He left his apartment sometime in mid-June 1978. Uh, He left just to get a pack of cigarettes and he was never seen again. Ugh. His friends said Timothy would frequent gay bars around Chicago, uh, which we now know were where Gacy would pick up a lot of his victims. He had also allegedly recently told a roommate that a contractor on the Northwest side had offered him a job. Uh, That's hearsay with a... Yeah, I don't know if that's exactly true. That's what a roommate said. His body was found near the Dresden Island Lock and Dam in the Illinois River on June 30th, 1978 not his house well yeah he ran yeah, out of he crawl ran space, out of room space yeah. so the the he's, these next victims are all room. yeah these next victims are all found in the river i wonder if that's why jeffrey lived well i also think i think there probably was more um victims that gacy abducted and tortured and let go mm. than okay came forward maybe okay that makes because sense maybe at one point Gacy was like, well, uh, I can't keep up with all these bodies anymore. Yeah. And I'm, it's going to like get suspicious if these all of these guys are found in the river. Because at this point, every single other one of his victims was just missing. Right. Nobody knew what happened to them. There was no evidence of them anywhere. Yeah. And now you're starting to put bodies in the river. Now we got a serial killer. And now people are looking out. Right. So you're setting yourself up to be caught. Yeah. Good. Somebody should catch him. Yeah, right? I mean, it shouldn't have taken this long, but That's whatever. what I'm sa- That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. Um, our next victim, there really isn't any information that I could find um, on what happened with 19-year-old Frank Land- Landingen. Um, okay. Nothing, like, I don't know what he was doing when he went missing on November 4th, 1978. His father was the last person to see him walking down Foster Avenue. His naked body was found by two duck hunters in the Des Plaines River on November 12th. That is my birthday. So not a fun thing to happen. No, no. Uh, He he had died of asphyxia and a pair of bikini briefs were found stuffed in his throat. Oh my God. His death was linked to Gacy after some of his personal items were found at Gacy's house. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Next we have James Mazzara. After eating Thanksgiving dinner with his family on November 24th, 1978, the 20-year-old James, nicknamed Mojo Mazzara, walked towards Bughouse Square carrying a suitcase and was never seen alive again. (sighs) Just a day earlier, James allegedly told his sister that he was, quote, working uh, working in the construction industry, end quote. Mm. His body was found in the Des Plaines River strangled with a ligature. And then we have our last victim, 
On December 11th, 1978, Gacy went to speak to the owner of Nissan Pharmacy in Des Plaines about a potential remodel of the store. So actual real business shit. Again, he's running a business at the time that he's doing all these murders. Yeah. Like truly, truly a double life. Yeah. So it's while there, yeah, that anybody could be doing this. Yeah, it's yes. terrifying. Yes. So while there, he caught the attention of 15-year-old part-time employee Robert Peist. Gacy mentioned that he often hired boys about Robert's age and that he paid $5 an hour, which was almost double what Robert was making at the pharmacy. Again, this is 1978. He's only working part-time at a pharmacy. Wow. Gacy went back to his truck and Robert's mother arrived to take her son home. It was her birthday, so there were going to be celebrations at home, but Robert was too excited about this new job opportunity to pass it up. He asked his mother to wait, saying that he would be right back because, quote, some contractor wants to talk to me about a job, end quote. He left the store about 9 p.m. As the time ticked by and Robert still hadn't come back, his mother became increasingly worried. She searched the pharmacy inside and out, and after three hours after she had last seen him, she notified the police of Robert's disappearance. Literally, her son was stolen right out from underneath her. yeah. So the next day, when police learned who the contractor was that spoke to Robert, again, like, Gacy's name was, like, on this uh, store owner's phone. Like, he... (laughs) <laughs> he he had called him to come to the store to like look at this so like it wasn't a mystery who this contractor was so they knocked on gacy's door the investigators they told him about the missing boy and asked him to come down to the station for questioning and gacy made up some fucking excuse as to why he couldn't leave saying that there was a recent death in the family and he had to make some phone calls he showed up to the police station hours later gave his statement and left and mm-hmm. i i think i had read um in a separate article that um he had showed up to the uh, the police station and he was all disheveled and stuff. And he had, he said he had just gotten into an accident. Well, he did just get into an accident after throwing a body off of the Des <gasps> River. So he disposed of a body before going to give his statement. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so fucking breeze. This guy. I yeah. just. And he he disposed of the body. And then on the way to the police station, he ran his car, I think, into a ditch and it had to be towed. So like he had just this bitch. He had just gotten rid of a body and then he had to call to get his car towed. And he's still. Yeah. So the officer on the case, Lieutenant Joseph Kozinczak, I think is it's a Polish name, uh, ran a background check on Gacy and learned of the sodomy charge in Iowa. Fucking finally. And that Gacy had an outstanding battery charge for what he did to Jeffrey Rignall. The following evening, officers arrived at Gacy's house with a search warrant. They found several suspicious items, including from Uh. what I determine least damning to most damning. Let's go through these things that they found at his house. Okay. Least to most. So an address book. Everyone's got an address book. That's fine. A scale. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know if it was for weed or something else, but just a scale. I was thinking for like weight management. Yeah, maybe like, oh, yes, I have a scale. Maybe. I don't know know why they would have taken that. I have no clue. Um, Maybe it's just something people have in their house. A box (laughs) containing marijuana and rolling papers. Radical. Yeah. Mm. Nylon rope. Weird, but he's a contractor. So Mm, how many contractors do you know that use nylon rope? I don't know. There's rope for some shit. You got to hoist some stuff. Okay. Uh, color, color photographs of pharmacies and drugstores. Weird. Weird. But he was just maybe employed to do a remodel of a pharmacy. So maybe he, <laughs> it's some type of research. I don't I'm know. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, maybe he's doing an art project. <laughs> maybe he's doing an art project. I don't know. Um, a stained section of rug. I mean, yeah, he, again, he's a single guy. 
depends on the stain. stain. Depends, depends on, on the stain. stain. It just says the stain section rug. Seven erotic movies made in Sweden. Okay, I mean weird, but like okay, uh, not not damn. Porn is porn is porn. An eighteen-inch dildo uh, that was found in the attic beneath insulation. Weird, but at the same time. Doesn't uh, say Not that you're a murderer. someone else's yum. Yeah. I, yep. And doesn't even say that you use it. I knew a, a frat at my alma mater that kept a double-sided giant black dildo as a pet, basically. Yeah. It just traveled around. It did. It did. You remember Adventures. it. <laughs> I remember it. I've seen it. Yep. There was a chunk taken out of it at one point that I had yeah, seen it. Yeah. I don't know I what don't happened know. there, but mm, I know. would like to not know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, police badges weird but not like Halloween, ideal oh maybe? but yeah but they also they hate that that it's yeah. like you know what i mean but you can get that at a costume store it's not like true true yeah. um a pair of handcuffs with keys i put this as a little less damning because like maybe he's into kink like i don't fucking know yeah you do you we don't or maybe shame. it goes maybe it goes with the police badges as part of the costume true um pills including amyl nitrate and value a m y l i don't know what that is um mm-hmm. okay so you got drugs cool everybody does yep. uh, a hypodermic syringe and needle with a small brown bottle that's drugs. a little weirder drugs yeah. a little weirder a switchblade knife okay not, not, I, not great, I think i have reasons. a switchblade in the house so sure good to um, know a six millimeter italian pistol with possible gun caps don't like that uh, but uh, some people have also, guns it's fine yeah it is also yeah Clothing that was much too small for Gacy. I have that too. Yeah. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was a divorced man that had stepchildren and I mean well oh, by the also time that. his like by the time his like biological children left, they were much too small. But maybe maybe something that had to do with the stepchildren, I don't know. Uh yeah, it starts to get a little weirder from here. A oh. three foot long two by four wooden plank with holes drilled into each end. So I think that might have been the pillory device or part of it, maybe. Oh, but again, he's a contractor. So having wood projects, maybe well, not that weird. I mean, look at Ed uh, and Eddie. They had a plank. Yeah, well, uh, he had some books such, <laughs> with titles such as, books get ready for these. Mm. Tight Teenagers. Whoa. I don't know why that's a book. Nah. The Rights of Gay People. That's fine. Okay, yes. Uh, Bike Boy. Not sure how I, it depends depends are are we talking like a feel good not in that way like disney-esque story or something else uh then there's a book i don't know if i'm saying this word correctly i had to look it up i looked it up on my work computer which oh, i should no. probably burn at this point Pet, pederasty? pederasty i, I think I'm pederasty, okay. which I is think relations between men and boys no no that's what that word means uh, wrong yep, look that up on my work computer wrong. thanks um, um oh no another book titled sex between men and boys that's this why is that a book so, no it should who's not be the a publisher book. fuck that who's the writer fuck them right um 21 abnormal sex cases kind of want to look at that one but like, <laughs> i don't know i'm curious I don't, how abnormal we're talking here yeah yeah at what level are we talking that's kind of why i don't know, like just browse like Catherine um, the great level or like what are we know. talking the American Bicentennial Gay Guide. All right. Good for you. Okay. Pride. Pretty good. Um, Heads and Tails, which... I've heard of this. It's a no. 
yeah it's a no it's, it's no it's, it's porn basically okay great but great, like great. It's and then not my uh, thing. the last one is my least favorite it's called the great swallow jesus christ his mother should have done that yeah <sighs> yeah so it gets weird from here oh great um we're not even there was there. a jewelry box containing true driver's licenses that weren't his no. and several rings, including one that was engraved on it. The name West Main High School, class of 1975. Casey had not yeah. graduated in 1975 from West Main High School. And the initials J.A.S. This is going to come up later uh, with one of his victims was named John Allen Sizzik. Yeah. So J.A.S. Um, and the thing that probably helped the most which isn't going to mean anything right now but as they research into it it's going to mean something later a receipt for a roll of film with a serial number on it from nissen pharmacy so the pharmacy he was at yeah um that was found in a garbage can so investigators also noticed a foul odor coming from the crawl space but was believed to be faulty sewage lines so they ignored it yeah after finding all that other shit all that other shit they just ignored it whatever so the gig was basically up for Gacy at this point, whether he knew it or not. The Des Plaines police confiscated his Oldsmobile and other PDM work vehicles. Police assigned two alternate two-man surveillance teams to monitor Gacy on a rotational 12-hour basis. So he was monitored by at least two people 24 hours a day. Um, they did this as they continued their investigation into his background and potential involvement in the Robert Pice case. The day after the search of Gacy's house, which was December 14th, investigators received a phone call from Michael Rossi, who informed the investigators of Gregory Godzik's disappearance and the fact that other, another PDM employee, Charles Hatula, had been found drowning in the Illinois River earlier that year. Now, um, sidebar real quick, uh, Charles Hatula did work for PDM um, and is not a confirmed Gacy victim. They think he may have jumped off the bridge or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and died via drowning um so he's not listed under the gacy victims but who the fuck knows because he worked for john wayne gacy yeah so was in the age range was definitely gacy's type because he only hired the type that he liked yeah so it's, a possibility. it's possible yeah the next day investigators obtained further details of gacy's battery charge with jeffrey rignall interviewed gacy's ex-wife learned of the disappearance of john buckovich and linked the west main high school ring to john allen sizzik by december 16th gacy tried the tactic of buddying up to his surveillance mm-hmm. he invited them over for meals and drinks while repeatedly denying anything to do with the with robert's disappearance but was starting to show cracks during this time the investigators were working to build their case against gacy david cram was interviewed the next day michael rossi was interviewed dogs were brought in to see if there was any evidence of robert in gacy's vehicle the dogs indicated yes by December 18th, a week after the murder of Robert Peist, Gacy was showing outward signs of strain from the constant surveillance. He was unshaven, looked tired, appeared anxious, and was drinking heavily. That afternoon, he drove to his lawyer's office, who we'll talk about mm-hmm. later. He has a whole book. Um, oh, wow. To prepare a $750,000 civil suit against the Des Plaines police, demanding that they cease their surveillance. But the investigators were just about to compile enough evidence for another search warrant. A co-worker of Robert's, Kimberly Byers, told police that Robert had loaned her his jacket that day and she had slipped the receipt into the pocket before giving it back as she had kind of like a crush on him and she needed an excuse to talk to him. Right. So she was like, I'm going to sneak this into his pocket. Right. Oh. Michael Rossi also told the investigators that Gacy had instructed him to spread 10 bags of lime in the crawl space in the summer of <gasps> 1977. 
Yo. Yeah. On December 20th, Gacy showed up at his lawyer's office and asked for a drink. Sam Emirate, the lawyer, got him a bottle of whiskey and Gacy quickly drank two cupfuls. He pointed to a picture of Robert Pice on the cover of the newspaper on Amarante's desk and said, quote, this boy is dead, he's dead, he's in the river, end quote. He went on to give a long, drunken, and rambling confession into the early hours of the morning when he fell asleep. When Gacy woke up hours later, he ignored Amarante's request for a psych evaluation and went to attend his business. Like, he literally was like, I got shit to do today. Like, I know I just confessed to th- over 30 murders, but like, I have shit to do today. And Mm -hmm. left the office. Yeah. Police obtained a second search warrant the following evening. And when they got to Gacy's house, they found that he had attempted to flood the crawl space (gasps) by unplugging his sump pump. But the whole point of a sump pump Mm -hmm. is to pump water out. So investigators just plugged it back in and waited for the water to drain. Oh, my God. What a Um, fucking dumbass. Yeah. You're a contractor and you don't fucking know this shit. Exactly. You think that's going to cover up any fucking evidence? They wouldn't know. I don't know. Within minutes of beginning the search, evidence technician Daniel Genty found a human arm bone and shouted oh. to investigators to arrest Gacy, adding, quote, I think this place is full of kids. Oh, quote, my that God. That literally just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, same, same. My stomach yeah. just lurched. I just... They, they looked for a few minutes and they found a skull here, a rib cage here, an arm bone here. Like, they just found everything. And you can't tell me that they expected that much no like they did not no no because they found the arm bone and they were like this is too old to be robert pice like what the fuck is happening and then they found they found a skull and a uh and i think like like two skulls kind of together and they were like okay well this is more than one so we're launching the full-scale investigation it took days for them to go through everything in the early morning hours of december 22nd gacy was arrested and said he wanted to quote clear the air end quote with the officers he said that he had killed approximately 30 males who had all entered his house willingly he gave some names but didn't know all of them and claimed that the boys slash men were all male sex workers or runaways he said that he had buried his victims in his crawl space but started disposing of bodies in the river when he ran out of room that's what he literally said when he ran out of room yeah that's so fucked gacy is finally caught so gacy was brought to trial on February 6, 1980, and was charged with 33 counts of murder. In his opening statement to the jury, one of Gacy's defense attorneys, Robert Mata, remarked, quote, The insanity defense has been looked upon as an escape, a defense of last resort. The defense of insanity is valid, and it is the only defense that we could use here, because that is where the truth lies. Because if Gacy is normal, then our concept of normality is totally distorted, end quote. I mean, he has a point there. I was going to say, got me there. Also, though, I'm, yeah. I'm eh about this just because what kind of a person defends this guy? Like, I know that you're entitled to a, to a defender and blah, 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 so, blah. But like, so there's <sighs> a little bit more about that. Um, Sam Amarante, his like chief counsel, mm-hmm. wrote a book um, that is probably one of the most famous Gacy books. Right. And he talks about how he had just gone into private practice, like like so recently got into private practice and Gacy was already one of his clients. And I think he said he tried to get out of it. Like he talked to his family about it and it was like, uh, all I could, like he confessed Like Gacy was guilty of murdering 33 people. The only thing that Amarante could do was maybe to keep him from getting killed because the death penalty was on the table. 
I mean, he had an uphill battle. Obviously, yeah. he lost, but like, I don't know. It seems like I. I think. I mean, <laughs> granted, Sam Amarante opens with a quote about um, John Adams in, <laughs> like, in the book, seemingly or in, in the, the book. Okay. Yeah, being like the John Adams character, I'm like, okay, dude, come on. All right, up. but um, it's 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 a good book, I would say, especially if you want to know more about um about Gacy and the trial and everything, I would recommend it. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, so we'll get to that then. But basically, Gacy's counsel presented him as a Jekyll and Hyde character, and the defense produced several psychiatric reports, um, so, sorry, several psychiatric experts who had examined Gacy, and three psychiatric ex- experts at Gacy's trial testified that they found him to be a paranoid schizophrenic with multiple personalities. Oh, Wow. That's... The prosecutors presented the case that Gacy was sane and in full control of his actions. Mm. To support this contention, they produced several witnesses to testify to the premeditation of Gacy's actions and the efforts he took to escape detection. Uh, those doctors refuted the defense. Uh, the sorry, they refuted the defense doctors' claims of multiple personalities and insanity. David Cram and Michael Rossi testified that Gacy had made them dig drainage trenches and spread out bags. Of of lime in the crawl space like we had mentioned earlier both of them said that gacy looked periodically into the crawl space to ensure that they and other employees they supervised did not deviate from the precise locations he marked so there were already bodies buried under there when he was having other people dig trenches down there jesus yeah like so i'm yada yadaing over this trial again right. if you want to know more read read the book we got uh, a long wanna- way to go we got a long way to go. I have a lot of pop culture to get into, and that's kind of like the whole half of the podcast. Yeah. So the trial lasted five weeks, and during that time, all of Gacy's dirty little secrets were exposed. Good. Jeffrey Rignall testified to his abuse by Hell Gacy. Yeah. Robert Donnelly told his story from 1977. Brave. And Donald Voorhees, who Gacy had assaulted in 1967, testified mm. as well. Good. Good for them. They're fucking um, heroes, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Having to put this guy in the chair, I'm sorry if you don't support the... The death penalty. I mean, I'm still I'm on the fence about it, but like this guy, what Gacy was not getting rehabilitated. True. I I I just meant less in the sense of that, and more in the sense of like these guys had well, been I mean, intimidated he was going to jail the fuck out of like yeah, everything to finally have the platform to get up and tell their stories and not be like shushed away by police right. is finally redeeming. Um. So on March 11th. Final arguments by both prosecution and defense attorneys began. They concluded the following day. So it was an entire, like, day and a half, almost two days of final arguments. Prosecuting attorney Terry Sullivan spoke first, outlining Gacy's history of abusing youths, the testimony of his efforts to avoid detection, and describing his surviving victims, Voorhees and Donnelly specifically, as, quote, living dead. Referring to Gacy as, quote, the worst of all the murderers, end quote, Sullivan stated, quote, John Gacy has accounted for more human devastation than many earthly catastrophes, but one must tremble. I tremble when thinking about how close the case came to getting away with it all, end quote. In Sam Amarante's closing arguments, he attempted to portray Gacy as a, quote, man driven by compulsions he was unable to control, end quote contending the state had not met their burden of proving Gacy sane beyond reasonable doubt, 
Emirati then urged the jury to put aside any prejudice they held against his client and asked them to deliver a verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity, adding that Gacy was a danger to both himself and to others, and that studying his psychology and behavior would be a benefit to science. Sure, whatever. Yeah. The next day, William Kunkel continued to argue for the prosecution. At the end of his closing arguments, he removed photos of Gacy's 22 identified victims from the display board and asked the jury not to show sympathy, but to, quote, show justice, end quote. Kunkel then asked the jury to, quote, show the same sympathy this man showed when he took these lives and put them there, end quote, before throwing the stack of photos into the opening of the trap door from Gacy's crawlspace, which had been introduced as evidence and was on display in the courtroom. So yeah. literally the opening of the crawlspace was sitting there in the in the courtroom yeah. and he took all of the photos of the then 22 identified victims and tossed them into the crawl, into the crawl space opening wow. which very powerful visual yeah. especially for the jury um after kunkel had finished his testimony the jury retired to consider their verdict after only an hour and 50 minutes again this 33 counts of murder this is very fast for this type of uh, turnaround time an hour and 50 minutes the jury returned with a guilty verdict on all 33 counts of murder Gacy was also found guilty of sexual assault and taking indecent liberties with a child both convictions in reference to Robert Peist at the time his conviction for 33 murders was the most for any person in the United States had ever been convicted wow. at one time I mean good but like yeah. wow in the sentencing phase of the trial, the jury deliberated for more than two hours before sentencing Gacy to death for each murder committed after the Illinois statute on capital punishment came into effect in June 1977. His execution date was set for June 2nd, 1980. Wow. Um, so Gacy appealed his sentence many times and remained on death row for 14 years after that. Honestly, yeah. that's... Like, imagine. I mean... I mean, it seems to happen like that. There are a couple cases where, like, it goes by real quick and they immediately, like, yes. put the person to death. But it's more often than not that they remain on death row for mm -hmm. quite some time. I mean, Scott Peterson and was on death row for so long yeah. to the point that it became no more. Like... Exactly. So after the U.S. Supreme Court denied Gacy's final appeal in October 1930... Sorry, 1993... <laughs> The Illinois Supreme Court finally set the execution date for May 10th, 1994. Oh, shit. You're kidding. Yeah. That's three days after my birthday. Sorry. I was I like, know. yo, yo, had it been sooner if reincarnation so, is real. There you go. Do you love KFC? Do you love KFC? Not as much as Popeye's, though. Is that a good thing? Or, Do you does love that mean murdering I people and putting them in your basement? I'll never tell. Okay. <laughs> I so don't we have, have an basement. entire... <laughs> good i have an entire episode on uh last meals mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. go ahead and listen to that i don't know if we talked about gacy's in that we one. did um, well i think yes. no i think we did maybe we have i don't know yeah uh so for his last meal gacy ordered a bucket of kfc mm -hmm. a dozen fried shrimp french fries fresh strawberries and a diet coke yes because we did that we did talk about this because it was the diet coke that was the kicker though people yeah. do prefer the taste maybe you just like the taste that's, yeah, that's better. yes exactly but that's again if oh. it's your last meal get all the calories why not exactly like you you can't take it with you you know yes um and for so those who want to know oh go ahead oh i was gonna no, say no did we talk about it we well i was just gonna say last meals was episode 292 if you want to go back and oh, listen. yes it was relatively but, recently yes it was it was like 
less than uh, and it's, 10 hey, ago. it's more it's more interesting might i say so myself it's more interesting than just a list of people's last meals because True. there's a lot more that goes into we, yes last meals and last meal preparation yes than i had originally well, thought that, so that one story that you told me that well not just me but like we were here and everyone else wasn't uh, <laughs> about the guy that um prepared the last meals yes. for his yeah, prison the whole book. as an inmate so, yes so yeah it's yeah. a good in my opinion and in, in my humble Thanks. opinion I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so that evening, Casey observed prayer with a Catholic priest from whom he received last rites before being escorted to the Statesville accus- uh, execution chamber to receive a lethal injection. And there was a complication mm-hmm. with the execution. Nah. Where the Yeah, where the chemicals unexpectedly solidified, clogging <gasps> the IV tube, which led to Gacy's execution taking 18 minutes. Oh my God! Yes, I anesthesiologist. It was probably very painful. Well, yeah, I'm sure it was very painful, but I'm saying I wonder if that was like a a intentional. Yeah, if somebody did that on purpose. Well, anesthesiologists blamed the problem on the prison officials' inexperience at conducting an execution. Okay, saying had they used the correct uh, execution procedures. that the complications never would have occurred. Why didn't this they have an apparent- anesthesiologist do it then? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. But this error apparently led to Illinois adopting an alternate method of lethal injection. Oh, shit. So because of this, they had to completely redo God. their shit. On this subject, one prosecutor at Gacy's trial, who I mentioned earlier, William Kunkel, said, quote, he got a much easier death than any of his victims, end quote. Oh, wow. Yeah, Maybe that's true. true. Yeah. So Gacy's final words were reportedly kiss my ass. Um oh, fuck although Kunkel stated in 2020, so again really yeah. recently, that these words were spoken to a prison official and were not part of any official statement prior to his death. Like nobody said, Do you have any final words? And he said, Kiss my ass. Like he just said it to a prison official while he was still not like, great in the room. Like they're no, his last great. words, whether they're official or unofficial. Exactly. Yeah. So as I, uh, that's, that's it with Gacy. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're talking more about, um, his victims and other, other information. Right. So five victims remain unidentified with efforts to renew, uh, to find out who they were. Um, information regarding the five unidentified bodies are available at the Cook County Sheriff website. There's a special section for like Gacy victims. Um, again, there's only five remaining out of 33. Like let's, Get this fucking done. Let's figure yeah. out who these guys are and get them back with their families and buried correctly th- and taken care it, of. It can be done. It's possible. Yeah. 2021, the last one was yeah. found. And these these murders were, started in 1972, four, whatever it was. Right. So it can be it can be done. There's so much advances in technology now that we can get this done. Um, another thing I found pretty interesting is Gacy's house. So according to realtor.com, Gacy's home was knocked down in 1979, which as it should be, yeah, I good. mean, they kind of had to like dismantle it to True. get into the crawl space True. and everything. Um, in its place, a 2,500, uh, 2,500 square foot, three bedroom home, two bathroom, uh, brick was built, um, a little less than a decade later in 1986. It's actually a pretty nice house now. You can see it. It's got vaulted ceilings, two-sided fireplace, and a skylight. Throughout the decades, that plot of land has had several changes. 
Uh, it was sold several different owners over the past years, most recently in March 2021 for $395,000. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty cheap for the area, but True. there are still kind of side glances and whispers that come with that specific plot of land. I think the address was also changed. It's not 8213 Summer- West Somerdale because obviously like uh, the murder tourism People yeah. are going to want to yeah. see it. Yeah. So, the, I mean, everyone knows where it is, but the least you could do is change the address. Right. Exactly. So, real estate appraiser Oral Anderson says, quote, you've got bad juju there associated with that specific geographic location. Agreed. Quote. So, I think it's always going to sell for a little less, unless you sell it to some fucking douchebag like Zach Baggins or something True. like that. that uses Honestly, it for, though, like, sell it to fucking a douchebag like Zach Baggins, because at least it won't keep going on the market. Yeah. I don't know if Zach Baggins is a douchebag. He just heard, is like a weird ghost hunter. Yeah, dude. but I've heard things. All right. Fine. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll make the blanket statement. Exactly. He's a this just in. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, it, it's speculated about the number of victims that Gacy had. Like I said, uh, Charles Satula was a PDM employee, but was not specifically listed as a gacy victim so people are like are 33 like is 33 the um the final count or could there be more people here so that conversation has gone on for as long as gacy was arrested right um so at the time of his arrest gacy claimed to both the des plains and chicago investigators that the total number of victims could be as high as 45 mm-hmm. however only like i said only 33 victims were ever linked to him right Shortly after his arrest, Gacy informed investigators that after he had assaulted and released Jeffrey Rignall in March 1978, he began to throw his murder victims into the Des Plaines River. Like we said, he mm-hmm. ran out of room. Mm-hmm. He confessed to having disposed of five bodies this way. Like I said, only four were found. Uh, when asked whether there were more victims, Gacy stated, quote, that's for you guys to find out, end quote. Um, also on his... If you go to the John Wayne Gacy Wikipedia, there's a section um, about a property he owned on West Miami Avenue. Uh, he was a caretaker there for several years before his arrest. Um, in 1975, a then Chicago police officer uh, reportedly observed Gacy, who we knew on a casual basis, holding a shovel in the early hours of the morning when he was confronted gacy said he was doing work that he was too busy to do during the day the officer also said that several other residents of the west miami avenue stated that they had seen gacy digging trenches in the grounds of the property in the early to mid 1970s one of the residents also said that gacy later placed plants in the elongated trenches that he had dug at this time these actions were observed um gacy was still married to his wife but i mean he started yeah that's true he started before. before yes um, so there were requests to excavate these grounds, um, and it was granted in January 2013, and a search of the property was conducted that spring. Um, both FBI sniffer dogs and ground-penetrating radar equipment were used uh, in the second search, and no human remains were brought up. But right. v- still very weird. Yeah. Maybe he could have disposed of bodies exactly. there. Who knows? Exactly. Um. Then, I didn't think that this theory held much water before, like, really diving into it, but the accomplices theory. So, 
It's been speculated that David Cram and another former Gacy employee, like I had mentioned, Michael Rossi, who had lived at the Gacy house, Mm -hmm. uh, had been helping uh, on several of the murders, if not committing them outright on their own. In the 1980s, Gacy informed FBI profile Robert Ressler that, quote, two or three, end quote, PDM employees had assisted in several of the murders. Mm -hmm. Ressler believed that there were unexplained avenues to the case and that Gacy had killed more than 33 victims in multiple states, which, I mean, could be possible. Gacy neither confirmed nor denied Ressler's suspicions. I think he also just liked to be, like, such a fucking douchebag and wanted to be so mysterious that, like... He would be like, oh, I don't know. Could I be more prolific than I am? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Jeffrey Rignall uh, was adamant that at one point during his ordeal, a young man with brown hair had knelt before him and watched his abuse. Jeffrey also said that he saw a light coming on in another part of the house. Hmm. And I don't know. Like Jeffrey Rignall was able to remember Gacy's car, remember the road he went down and remember side streets and then was able to basically track Gacy down. So... He sounded like he was of pretty sound mind right. during his ordeal. So that's terrifying yes. if it could be true. Um, in interviews from Death Row, Gacy said at the time of his arrest that three PDM employees were considered suspects of the murders. I don't know if there was ever any official suspects besides Gacy, but whatever. Um, all of these uh, men, he said, had possession of his keys to his house. So, in addition to David Cram and Michael Rossi, Gacy named his former employee Philip Pask, who was a close associate of John Norman and an acquaintance of David Cram. So, John Norman is a name that hasn't come up before, but he's a scumbag who um, operated a nationwide sex trafficking ring in Chicago known as the Delta Project in the late 70s. And at least two victims believed to have been murdered by Gacy kenneth parker and michael marino and we know now michael marino is like an iffy one Mm -hmm. because uh the dna didn't match uh they had last been seen alive close to where norman lived which is interesting this also led to speculation that gacy had been connected to this trafficking ring wow which i don't know if he's like a a soldier in that because uh but like seems like a little flighty yeah but who knows this is the thing like yeah i mean this is a confirmed sex trafficking ring from the 70s so yeah cbs news reports that two chicago attorneys came forward in 2012 and concluded that after examining the available evidence gacy did not act alone gacy had claimed that he was not in chicago when 16 of the identified victims had disappeared the lawyers say that travel records show this to be true For example, Gacy had flown to Pittsburgh three days before the disappearance of Robert Gilroy Jr. and returned to Chicago only the day after he disappeared. Hmm. Uh, There's much more of this on the Wikipedia page, and I believe it covers it in the Joe Berlinger documentary. Or no, I think there's a documentary on Peacock that talks about this. Uh, I don't remember exactly which one it is. I mean, again, it's like Dahmer and Bundy. There are so many docs that it's like hard to keep track of which ones are which. So there was never enough solid evidence to charge anyone else with murder or accessory to murder. And to date, Gacy's the only person who has been legally recognized as the killer of all 33 victims. Sadly, David Cram died by suicide in 2001. His oh. body was found hanging in the Cook County Forest Preserves in Chicago. Poor guy. The shock. Yeah, he went through so yeah. much. The Chicago Tribune reports that police found multiple empty beer bottles near his body, mm. along with folders containing information about alcohol addiction. Oh, wow. So he was a very haunted young man. Yeah. 
Um, oh. I mean, that's pretty much all I have for the case before we like dive into pop culture. We're already at like an hour. So let's get through some of this stuff. Um, we have uh, the Sam Amarante book, John Wayne Gacy, Defending a Monster. Uh, he wrote this with a man named Danny Broderick. It is a 3.8 three out of five on goodreads 4.2 out of five on amazon it was published in august 2011 and it's basically the gacy story told from the perspective of the lawyer so yeah go ahead and read that as you will i mean he was the first one to hear the confessions so that's kind of an interesting part of the book um it's written well it's fine next we have boys enter the house the victims of john wayne gacy and the lives they left behind by david b nelson this is the one i couldn't get that i really want to it is a 3.83 out of 5 on Goodreads, 4.5 out of 5 on Amazon, published in October 2021. And the description is, quote, Through the testimony of siblings, parents, friends, lovers, and other witnesses close to the case, Boys Enter the House retraces the footsteps of these victims as they make their way into the doorstep of, Gase, of the Gacy House itself. End quote. Um, highly recommend that. Again, Boys Enter the House by David B. Nelson. Then we have Johnny and Me, The True Story of John Wayne Gacy by Barry E. Buscelli. 3.15 out of 5 on Goodreads, 3.9 out of 5 on Amazon, published in January 2017. And this is a childhood friend's view into Gacy's life growing up. Barry Buscelli, like, grew up with Gacy. We also have Killer Clown, The John Wayne Gacy Murders by Terry Sullivan and Peter Mikan. Uh, 3.95 out of 5 on Goodreads, 4.4 out of 5 on Amazon, published in April of 1983. This is a mass market paperback, and Terry Sullivan is a former prosecutor, so he had um, insider info on this case. Uh, there's The Man Who Kills Boys, the John Wayne Gacy Jr. story by Clifford L. Leindecker has a 3.83 out of 5 on Goodreads, 4 out of 5 on Amazon, published in January 1980. This is another mass market paperback, like those fat ones you find at like the <laughs> grocery store yeah. line or whatever. Some of those are good. Yeah. Like they're, they're pretty interesting. They're usually written by like a uh, like a reporter yeah. or a prosecutor or something. Or, yeah. Yeah, someone like kind of close to the case. Mm -hmm. So then we have <laughs> Uh -oh. Gacy's Ghost, Hunting the Spirit of a Serial Killer by Richard me. Estep. Okay, I really thought it was going to be Zach Baggins, and I'm like, you see what I mean? No. Uh, uh, Zach Baggins hasn't written a book. <laughs> I mean, maybe he has. <laughs> I, I feel like he might have, but I don't know. Maybe we're I'm putting making a, such like crazy blanket statements on Zach Baggins. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Goodreads, this is a 4.15 out of five. I don't know how it's that high. What? Um, uh, how published many? In Key rated uh, it out of five. I don't know. So February 18th, 2020, this was published. The description is, quote, When John Wayne Gacy, one of America's most depraved serial killers, went to his Jesus. death by lethal injection in 1994, that ought to have been the end of it. It wasn't. More than 20 years later, psychic mediums looking into the claim of paranormal activity in an old Illinois movie theater are shocked to discover that it is haunted by a man who goes by the name of John oh, please. and appears to be a leering clown. Please. Why would the ghost of murderer... Why would the ghost of a murderer prowl the hallways of the R Theater? Yeah. What will happen when a, vet, a veteran researcher, Brad Kleige, decides to confront Gacy, attempting to inflame his anger and draw him out? A team of paranormal investigators will lock themselves in with him to in an attempt to establish connection with this aggressive spirit and get more than they bargained for. Join author investigator Richard Estep of TV's Haunted Hospital, Paranormal 911, and Haunted Case Files as he sets to find the truth behind this remarkable haunting. Mm -hmm. End quote. 
I hey, give it a read. This sounds like fiction. This sounds like a fictional book. Sounds like a fun romp. It's uh, oh, there's it's several other books. Uh, I only have a couple more to mention here. Killer Clown: The True Story of John Wayne Gacy by Amy Baxter. Inside the Mind of John Wayne Gacy: The Real Life killer clown by brad hunter john wayne gacy the true crime story of the killer clown by tyler crane costume party the bizarre life of john wayne gacy by brian lee tucker unfinished nightmare the search for more victims of john wayne gacy by chris maloney and buried dreams the inside mind of john wayne gacy by tim cahill mm-hmm. uh there are so many if you go on goodreads literally like an endless list so go ahead and find one that sounds interesting to you yeah they basically all kind of tell a similar story they tell the john wayne gacy story so, uh, so I, I just wouldn't it, say I, they all tell a similar story because i'm still stuck well, on I, that fucking ghost one well that's why i included that one it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous but also wild. it sounds like hilarious uh so now we're getting into movies there is gacy from 2003 it has a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, 21% audience score, but a 73% on Google, and a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Again, Google is always the anomaly with these. Uh, the description is, quote, described as a biographical drama, model citizen, devoted father, loving husband, and serial killer John Wayne Gacy, a man with over 30 dead men and boys entombed in the crawl space underneath his family house, based on a true story. Um... It depicts his life after he moved to Norwood Park in 1971 until his arrest in 1978. So that's the John Wayne Gacy story. Mm-hmm. The cast is Mark Holton, who was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Teen Wolf, and the horror Leprechaun movie. Uh, Charlie Weber, who was a guest star on House, Charmed, Burn Notice, Buffy, Veronica Mars, all the CSIs. Um, it was also in the main cast of How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm um adam baldwin not of the baldwins nah, yeah full he was in full metal jacket independence day the patriot also the holy trinity of crime shows which are csi ncis and svu mm-hmm. um a little trivia about this in toronto canada michael briar rented this film uh from a video store on may 14th 2003 after he kidnapped sexually assaulted murdered and dismembered a 10 year old girl named holly jones uh, this man was arrested in June 2003, and he later received a life sentence. That is literally the only like trivia about this movie that a killer once rented. Yeah. It. Yep. Um, you can watch this all for free on Pluto, Vudu, the Roku Channel, and Amazon Prime Video. Then we have Dear Mr. Gacy, which is a 2010 made-for-TV movie with a 51% audience score, 90% on Google, and a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So, like, pretty... High marks on this one, dear Mr. Gacy. Mm -hmm. The description is, quote, overachieving college student Jason Moss, fascinated by serial crime, uh, decides to write his criminology class term paper on John Wayne Gacy, who is on death row and secluded, uh, scheduled to be executed in six months time. Jason's criminology professor, Mr. Harris, will only allow Jason to write his paper on Gacy if Jason can come up with a fresh angle, as he himself believes the topic of serial killers is already overexposed. After writing Gacy a nondescript letter and receiving a questionnaire from Gacy in return, Jason believes the fresh angle would be to truly to get inside Gacy's head, specifically to learn what makes him tick by presenting himself in a subsequent correspondence uh, to Gacy as Gacy's type, i.e. a vulnerable young man from a dysfunctional family and thus who is possibly at risk. Despite the evidence that he needs to watch out for a cunning Gacy, Jason is certain he can outsmart the serial criminal at his own game. Things take an unexpected turn for Jason when he starts receiving telephone calls from Gacy, who is 
able to find out his number by himself. Mm. As Jason feels that he has to do further field work based on things that Gacy wants him to report back on, Jason may find that he is not well-equipped emotionally to handle the situation that he first believed, potentially leading to serious consequences both for himself and those around him. Uh, this is a true story. Um, Jason Moss, I believe, wrote a book about this that he actually did do a term paper. Um the cast of this movie is William Forsythe, who was in Raising Arizona, Rob Zombie's Halloween, The Devil's Rejects, and Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. I remember this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, weird that the, uh, main char- the main person in this case is uh, named Jason Moss. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesse Moss was in this movie. Oh. Who was in Ginger Snaps, uh, which is a really good uh, female um werewolf movie yes that's what it is um tucker and dell versus evil final destination mm-hmm. three and it's the voice of disney's hunchback of notre dame <gasps> oh well, oh a voice a i don't voice. know if he's oh he's he's listed as a voice in disney's hunchback okay. of notre dame i don't know if he's the, the voice i was like okay yeah, uh, you can you can watch this movie free on tubi or you can rent it on youtube google play amazon prime video voodoo Redbox, or apple tv mm-hmm. um but i also encourage you to look more into this jason moss case um i don't i thought he wrote a book but i don't know why i wouldn't have mentioned it already again i did this research like so long ago um but maybe that's something we'll cover separately because i remember digging into that one and learning a lot about it that it was just like more wild than i can remember right so getting into our last movie we have 8213 gacy's house uh uh, sorry 8213 gacy house it's made in 2010 it has a 19 percent audience score but 72 percent on google but only a 3.1 out of 10 on imdb um so this is the wild card one of the bunch Mm -hmm. uh a group of investigators enter 8213 summerdale avenue the former property of depraved serial killer John Wayne Gacy, hoping to find evidence of paranormal activity. Upon entering the place, they set up cameras throughout the abandoned house while going room to room with handheld cameras, performing seances and asking John Wayne Gacy to come forward. As the evening progresses, it seems the investigators are not prepared for the horror still within the house. The cast is Jim Lewis, who is a writer on It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas Movie. Um, we have Matthew Temple, who's a producer on a movie called Caged that did pretty okay in 2021. All right. Uh, Diana Terranova, who is a guest on Californication and Party Down. Okay. Rachel Riley, uh, who's in not in anything that I recognize, but seems to be in two different COVID horror movies. Oh, because we need and, we need those. <laughs> yeah, those we started cranking those. out. I hate it. Those started cranking out while um, we were still stuck inside yeah i hate that so you can watch this for free on tubi okay we have tv shows psychic investigators season three episode three what lies below premiered july 25th 2009 and this program focuses on the consultation between the main detective of the case and psychic carol broman um when they met december 17th 1978 to discuss the whereabouts of the body of robert peist you can watch this for free on youtube slaying amazon or tubi there is also monster in my family season one episode six killer clown john wayne gacy 
premiered August 5th, 2015. It's a 42-minute episode focusing on the murders committed by Gacy. Uh, it features Karen Kuzma, Gacy's sister, and her daughter, and focuses on formative events in Gacy's life that may have initiated his later crimes. You can watch this with a, a subscription of D Discovery Plus. It's on Amazon Prime. You can purchase it on YouTube, Google Play, Apple, and Vudu. And the last one is The New Detectives, Case Studies in Forensic Science, Season 2, Episode 1, Mindhunters. The Discovery Channel broadcast an episode relating to Gacy's crimes. It's this one. Um, it features an interview between Gacy and the FBI profiler Robert Ressler. Okay. There's also documentaries, which I think are more of like still like TV interviews or whatever, or TV episodes kind of. The Investigation Discovery Channel broadcast two documentaries about the Gacy murders. Uh, the first was for the Most Evil series, uh, which is a forensic program uh, where forensic psychiatrist Michael Stone analyzes the murders and um, analyzes murderers and psychopaths. The second Investigation Discovery program on Gacy is Evil Lives Here, and that explores mm -hmm. uh, Gacy's actions and how they affected his family. Yeah. Um, the biography one. channel yeah biography channel has a 45 minute documentary on just the crime the blanket john wayne gacy documentary um we also have john wayne gacy devil in disguise it's got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes 84 percent audience score 85 percent google score 7.3 out of 10 on imdb it premiered march 25th 2021 on peacock and this is a six part series i don't know if we need six parts but sure yeah it, it includes interviews with gacy investigators responsible for his apprehension and the cook county sheriff thomas dart um then we have you know the classic conversations with the killer the john wayne gacy tapes it's got an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, 82% audience score, 86% Google score, 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and it premiered on Netflix, all three parts, on April 20th, 2022. This is the Joe Berlinger one. It includes previously unreleased recordings of conversations between Gacy and Sam Amarante, his lawyer. Mm. Um, there are also, more than you can imagine, music Um related to John Wayne Gacy. There's songs specifically about Gacy, which include 33 Counts of Homicide, O Pogo, A Monster You Are Indeed by Cannabinoid. Okay. Again, some of these some of these names just really get me. 33 something by Bathory, which we've talked mm -hmm. about before. It's the the band about yeah. like based off Elizabeth Bathory. Yep. Clowning Around by Deer Tick. Great mm -hmm. name. But, uh, I'm Gacy's loving these Lot. Names. <laughs> Yeah, Gacy's Lot by Macabre. We have talked about Macabre mm -hmm. several times mm -hmm. about different murderers. They just love All talking about macabre. murder. <laughs> yeah. Stinky by Macabre. Gacy's I mean, his place house. It by, sounded stinky. Yeah. Gacy's Place by The Mentally Ill. Me. Uh, A band for me. John Wayne, John Wayne Gacy by Skinned, which is all capitals S-K-Y-N-D. Oh, John Wayne Gacy Jr. by Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan Stevens, Haley. You Sufjan, don't know Sufjan Stevens? Oh, my God. I don't. <sighs> yes, you I do. I'll, I'll send you links after this. Okay. Sufjan Dude, Stevens. I haven't. I don't think I've heard an entire. Um, fuck, what's the guy that looks like a frog? You're going to need to give me more information. Kermit? He look, you know, he looks like uh, a frog version of Rupert Grint. A frog? Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think I've heard an entire Ed Sheeran song. 
So That's don't bullshit, ask me who because are. I'm pretty sure they played one at your wedding. I would hope that they didn't. I'm, also, I wasn't really paying attention to that's, anything. That's fair. Hey, just because you're not um, paying attention doesn't mean you don't hear it. Okay, fine. Johnny's in Love With You by The Bang. Great name. Good name. Pogo the Clown by Dog Fashion Disco. Also a, a great name. name. Yes. Pogo the Clown by Hubert Ka. People are really like Master sticking of- to the clown bit, huh? Yes. Master of Brutality, John Wayne Gacy by Church of Misery. I think we talked about them before, too. Suffer Age by Fear Factory. Three for Flinching, Revenge of the Porno Clowns by the Dillinger Escape Plan. I love that name. And uh, To Catch a Killer by Gore Rotted. Oh, shit. There's also references to John Wayne Gacy in music, including Unaccommodating by Eminem, It's Going Down by Dr. Dre, In the Flesh by Jurassic 5, Rain and Blood by Necro. According to Lyrics.com, there are 1,247 lyric matches directly for John Wayne Gacy. So he's listed in quite a bit of music. Yeah. Then we have probably one of the more well-known bits of Gacy pop culture, and that's his artwork. So Gacy began to paint Uh, while he was on death row for 14 years. The most famous of his works are probably the Pogo, the clown self-portraits. He painted a wide range of subjects, including skulls, birds, Elvis Presley, JFK, Ed Gein, Fred Flintstone, Walt Disney's The Seven Dwarfs, and other clowns. Dr. David Gusick, chairman for the art education department of Florida State University and an art therapist, looked over Gacy's body of work um at a las vegas gallery in 2011 and called it quote derivative it's flat it's boring in many cases ridiculous and reveals how much he was trying to mask from the world uh what he was really about end quote it's true yeah most pieces gusick says were gacy playing to commercial taste to raise funds he was permitted to earn money from his artwork until 1985 but a few opened a window into gacy's mind quote one painting is a very bizarre looking landscape and it's a real glimpse into what Gacy was like without his mask on. In that instant, we really get a sense of who he is. End quote. Many of Gacy's paintings have been on display at exhibitions. Others have been sold at various auctions with individual prices ranging between $220,000. Following Gacy's execution, family members of his victims publicly burned several of his paintings the now-closed National Museum of Crime and Punishment in D.C. exhibited two of Gacy's paintings, including the Baseball Hall of Fame, signed by 46 members of the Baseball Hall of Fame, including Duke Snyder, Willie Mays, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Sandy Koufax, Yogi Berra, and Roy Campanella. Okay. Yeah. Without knowing that this was John Wayne Gacy who painted oh it, they my all God. signed it. Oh, yep. my God. So that President makes it Richard Nixon no, also signed the course. word. Of fucking course it was Nixon. Yep. God damn all it. All signers were unaware that Gacy was the artist. Jesus Christ. I thought that was fucking hilarious. That's amazing. Like, what is it with presidents not knowing that this know, dude's man. a fucking bad dude? Like, I, right? girl. And the very last piece of information I have that I think we may have touched on when we did the Amber, Amber Alert episode, but I think that was like episode like... I think it was only like the two digits might have been 16 or 17 it was like pretty early so um in 1984 sam amarante again one of gacy's two defense attorneys uh at his 1980 trial authored procedures that were incorporated by the illinois general assembly into the missing children recovery act of 1984 mm-hmm. amarante has since said the primary inspiration for his legislation was at the time of gacy's murders um illinois police had to wait 72 hours before 
initiating a search for a missing child or adolescent, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The Illinois Missing Child Recovery Act of 1984 removed the 72-hour waiting period. Other states across America subsequently adopted similar procedures. As a result, a, nation, a national network aimed at locating missing children was uh, gradually founded. This has since developed into the child abduction emergency, commonly known today as Amber Alert. Uh, we know for sure that the Amber, like at least the Amber Alert name and most of the inspiration comes from the kidnapping and murder of Amber Hagerman. Mm. But uh, this also had a hand in it. So the John Wayne Gacy case had a hand in the creation of Amber Alert. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Pretty nuts. That is wild. Yeah. So... Damn. We can take a deep breath now. That is the end of John Wayne Gacy. So I think we have hit the um, the major heavy hitters. I mean, we still got like, I think like Robert Hansen we haven't talked about. True. We haven't talked about Israel Keys. Like there are a couple, but like these are the... Um, the ones that are on our... Pop culture-y ones. Yes, and the ones that are on yeah. our podcast cover Albert. art. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that is john wayne gacy and we have been crime culture and uh you can find us on our website which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com you can find our social media facebook instagram twitter is twitter still a thing is there threads is that we're we're replacing it we're working on threads we're working on threads um but for now twitter still exists okay all right well that's that um you can also join our Patreon for as little as a dollar, as much whatever you want. If you're a part of our Patreon at the level where you can vote, we have a poll about episodes that we're going to cover. We cover a Patreon poll pick at the end of the month. Yeah. So if you are at that level, go and vote so we know what we're talking about. Um, if you're not at that level, um, you can get like shout outs and stuff and episodes early and other stuff like that. Yeah. So go check that out. But you don't have to be a Patreon member to join our Discord. You just True. have to message us yeah. on one of our uh, social medias or you can email us crimeculturepod at gmail.com and uh, you can join our little Discord family. We have fun. Spoiler alerts, pictures of our pets, good news, recommendations. Uh, speaking of recommendations, I have a palate cleanser that is something non-true crime related mm -hmm. that is going to send you home so you're not in a bummer funk of uh, boy murder. And this week's palate cleanser is going to be The Bear on Hulu. Um, it is so good. I watched season one when it first came out. I'm just in the middle of season two right now. It remains really good. Okay. Um, it's, it's about a chef in chicago it's jeremy allen white who's yes, in is. shameless mm -hmm. yeah uh the dude loves chicago good. loves love chicago <laughs> loves being in, in well i mean this case also takes place in chicago that's what i'm saying it's so, like we got yeah. we got a chicago themed we got episode. chicago on the brain we're gonna have yeah. some chicago pizza after this some chicago style Are hot we? dogs i don't fucking know i do need to eat i'm gonna have a chicago sleep yes after this, that's which is the one just a regular sleep, but, but with the air conditioner on. I was about on. to say, but with a fan, <laughs> it's windy. Um, yeah. You know. Um, so that's all that I can think of. Are we all done? Do we have anything to say? Be nice to other people. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> that's nice. Um, 
We're at an hour and a half, so I think we should just end it. Yeah, I think we can just leave it and say goodbye. All right. Well, with all of that, thank you for joining us. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.